Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. No doubt, like me, you were horrified with the scenes coming out from the Kabul airport uh, during the last part of last year. And, uh, as people clamoured to escape or migrate from Afghanistan to anywhere else in the world, basically, in the midst of the uh, rise of the, of the Taliban. It's estimated that about 2 million people will either have already left Afghanistan or will leave Afghanistan in the next couple of years as a result of the, of the uh, change of government there. And it uh, reminds us of what happened in 2014 when they estimate that 4 million, 4 million Syrians fled from Syria in, this, in the light of the civil war that was, was going on there. Uh, two million of those have moved to Turkey and continue to either be in refugee camps in Turkey or have been processed through the UNHCR network. And under the leadership of Angela Merkel, 800,000 800, were accepted into Germany uh, and into a, a whole better life because of, uh, of the policies of the Christian Democratic government in Germany. But there's been a lot of big migrations throughout the history of the world. There's probably textbooks written on accounting for the big migrations that have occurred. One of the biggest and one of the most significant occurred between the 15th and 19th century when it's estimated that over 12 million Africans uh, were forcibly migrated to uh, the United States, Europe, and South America. Over uh, 20% probably died in their migration, but still 12 million is the, is the minimum estimate of the number of people who migrated during that period. One of the biggest migrations that occurred occurred after the Second World War. It's estimated 20 million people moved countries in the wake of the war. A lot of Germans moved uh, away from the Soviet Union as far as they could get. Uh, the, a lot of Polish people were dispossessed and had to relocate as well. One of the biggest and one of the most dramatic migrations occurred in India and Pakistan in 1947. Uh, because of the racial tensions between, or racial and religious tensions between the Hindus and the Muslims, the, somebody in the British government had the bright idea that we'll make all of the Muslims move to the west or to the outside, to Pakistan and Bangladesh, and all the Hindus move to the central part of India and become what is, is now India. And uh, uh, 20 or 30 million people were forced to move, uh, migrate from where they'd grown up, where they lived, where their sustenance was, their homes, to another part of India or Pakistan uh, during this amazing transition. It's estimated the biggest migration in the history of the world that's ever occurred is occurring right now in China. And they're estimating that over 300 million people are moving from rural areas of China to the urban areas of China in what's been called the second industrial revolution. This huge migration is occurring right now in one of our nearer neighbours. So migration has been a, a, basically a theme of human history. People have been moving from place to place uh, in many places and many times. And therefore it shouldn't surprise us that migration is something that we see in the Bible as well and important. Uh, a colleague of mine once uh, was driving him to the airport 
and we were talking, I can't remember what we were talking about, he said, but next time you read the Bible, read the Bible with migration in mind. He said it will just transform your way you look at the Bible, and it did. Next time I was re- reading through the Bible, the m- migration as a theme just jumped out at me constantly, again and again and again. The Bible narrative addresses people moving from one place to another. So what we're going to do today is have a quick, a quick survey through the Bible and see where um, we see migration. Now, Dale tells me there's eight hours of microphone battery, so settle in. It won't take eight hours. First migration is actually the Tower of Babel. We're not going to look at that one. But shortly after the Tower of Babel, we read about Abraham, who we looked at last week, and and just touched on the idea of the enormity of what God was asking Abraham to do in Genesis 12. He says, you know, go from your country, your people, and your father's family. Go from your geographical location, be dislocated geographically, Go from your people, be dislocated socially, and go from your family, be be disconnected emotionally and and in terms of safety and security. God forced, one of the first things that God says to Abram is move, is migrate. And that might seem a little bit strange. There's plenty of things that God could have asked Abraham to do. But the first thing he does is migrate. And we get a a clue as to why he asks Abram to migrate in Joshua of all places. But at the end of of Joshua, we get this little throwaway line almost as uh, Joshua says to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods but in verse 3 I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants and we can get the idea here that the reason that God wanted Abraham to move was because he wanted Abraham to make a fresh start he was living in a world of of uh, worshipping of, of false gods, uh, of practices such as child sacrifice, um, ritualistic prostitution, these sorts of things happening here. And God is saying, there is no way I can transform Abraham if he stays in the middle of that. And so I want him to move to the land of Canaan, the promised land that I will give to him. And once Abraham moved there, God was able to transform his morality and his worldview, given that fresh start that he has. And throughout the Bible, we see this theme or this purpose for migration occurring. When God gets his people to move, it is either to transform them or to transform the place to which they move. When God gets people to move in the Bible, it's either to transform them or to transform the place to which they are moving. And we see that clearly in the Exodus, perhaps the the biggest migration recorded in the Bible. So Abraham was living in Canaan. God had moved him there and formed him into a, a, a family that worshiped God alone, worshiped Yahweh, the true God alone. But there was a drought in the land, you might remember, and then they moved down to Egypt. 
and they end up settling there for 400 years. But during that 400 years, a pharaoh who did not know Joseph came to power and enslaved the people of Israel. And it's estimated there were about a million Israelite slaves living in Egypt, and God remembers them. And when he remembers them, the first thing he wants them to do is to move. He wants them to get out of Egypt so that he can transform them into his people. And we read, you know, the ten plagues? They are the ten false gods of Egypt that Yahweh defeats one after the other, proving to his people that he is the one true God and leads them out into the desert of all places. And they wander around for 40 years and and thousands of them die and they go through difficult times and wars and desperation. But by the end of the 40 years in the wilderness, God, through that migration, has formed his people. People who who follow his values and, and love him and are only devoted to him. And through that migration process, he brings about his purposes amongst the people of Israel. But of course, it didn't go according to plan. Certainly there were periods, particularly under the the kingship of King David, when the people of Israel lived up to their potential, lived up to their calling as God's special people to be the light of the world. But over time, they began to indulge in idolatry. They began to take on board the, the false religions of the people around them. And God punished them time after time. We read about this decline through the book of Judges and 1 and 2 Samuel and and 1 and 2 Kings. It's sort of a depressing story that just gets worse and worse and worse as the people of of God fall away and fall away. And there's uh, the 11 tribes in the north are taken away in in the 8th century or the 6th century BC uh, and disappear off the face of the earth. There's just the one tribe of Judah left in the south. But then in 522 BC, they are taken into exile. Another word for exile, this is by the Babylonians, another word for exile, of course, is migration, forced migration. And we read right at the end of 2 Kings 25, this sad verse. So the people of Judah were taken as prisoners. They were taken far away from their own land. Many, many civilizations, religions and cultures have died out through the millennia. Most of them have. There's very few civilizations or religions or cultures that you can trace back thousands of years. One of those is the Jewish culture. Trace it back all the way to Adam, of course, or certainly all the way back to Abraham. And the reason it survived was because of the book of Daniel. There's perhaps one old book in the Old Testament that's really, really important. It's the book of Daniel because it showed the people of Israel how to live as refugees in a foreign land, how to live as migrants in a, in a foreign place. They'd been, not of their own choice, taken up, ripped out of, of Judah and Jerusalem and taken to Babylon and told to you know, acclimatise and, and systematise and settle in there. But instead, we see that Daniel was able to take his faith and live it out in a foreign culture. And Daniel was able to demonstrate that even though they were no longer in Jerusalem, and even though the temple no longer existed, God was still alive. And it transformed the faith of Israel. 
Because that's what God does through migration. By taking us out of our comfort, by taking us out of what we're used to, taking us away from our security, he transforms us through the migration process in the place we belong. Eventually, the people of Israel migrate, or at least a group of them migrate from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And we read in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra as this story of this migration. Uh, Ezra 1.5, then everyone got inspired to go. They wanted to go up to Jerusalem and build the Lord's temple there. And what happened? Revival. We read in Ezra how the people of God rediscovered the word of God and, and recommitted themselves to, to faithfulness to God's guidelines. And they had revival as God transformed them through their migration. And so the Old Testament draws to a close with uh, this migration being used by God to transform his people into the ones he wanted. But then right at the beginning of the New Testament is another story of migration, but on a much smaller scale. We read in Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men had left, Interesting, I saw a meme, you know, what happened when the wise men left? Well, the wise women arrived with the really useful gifts, you know, the nappies and the meals and the, you know, franken frankincense and myrrh was of no use really, but the real gifts, yeah, the wise women arrived, yeah, that's not in the Bible. Jesus had, Joseph had a dream. In the dream, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you to come back. Herod is going to search for the child. He wants to kill him. So Joseph got up. During the night, he left for Egypt with the child and his mother, Mary. So Jesus was a migrant. In fact, Jesus was a refugee. Jesus was a political refugee. And we, we know there was a religious uh, a, 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 a group of Jews in, in Egypt a large Jewish community there who presumably Joseph and Mary were able to find some sort of home. But it was still an incredibly risky and dangerous thing to do, to leave your homeland, to go to a place where there was a different culture, different language, different part of the world. And so Christians have always taken care of refugees and had a special place in their hearts for migrants because our saviour was a refugee. And if the people of Egypt had not taken him in and his family, what would have happened? But migration has also played a crucial part in the growth of the church. And in the book of Acts, we, we read these very interesting and important verses in, in chapter 11. Uh, the spread of the gospel in the early church was often associated with migration, associated with persecution. And we read some believers had scattered by the, some believers had been scattered by the suffering that unbelievers had caused them. They were scattered after Stephen was killed. Those believers travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, but they spread the word only among the Jews. And, and in this early church that was all settling in Jerusalem until this persecution arose and then the gospel started to spread amongst the Jewish communities as the persecuted believers began to spread. 
But then in verse 20, there's this really important verse. Some believers from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and there they began to speak to the Greeks also. They told them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's power was with them and large numbers of people believed and turned to the Lord. When I get to heaven, there's a whole lot of people who I'd like to meet. These guys, these unnamed guys, these guys who travelled to Antioch from Cyrene and, and, and Cyprus, I want to meet them. Because to me, they're the massive heroes in the Bible. They are, they are the first people who ever took the message of the Jewish gospel and proclaimed it to Gentiles. And it's because of what they did that we're sitting here today that the gospel began to spread across cultures and not just amongst the Jewish believers. But throughout the history of the church, the spread of the gospel is associated with migration associated with persecution. In the, the, the next big migration occurred when Nero began to persecute the, the Christians in Rome. And he was hoping to stamp out the gospel. Instead, he spread it. Because when he clamped down on the Christians in Rome, they spread throughout the, the empire and took the gospel with them. And like white ants, they eventually undermined the entire system that Nero was seeking to protect. When God brings his people to move, to migrate, he does so either because he wants to transform them or he wants to transform the places to which they go. And Australia's history has been marked by the way that migration has transformed our society. So in the 18th century, sorry, the 19th century, there were waves and migrations of persecuted Christians from Europe, including amongst them were the German Baptists. So you don't know if you know or not, but up in the Lockyer Valley, there were a whole lot of German churches, German-speaking Baptist churches in the 19th century. And they've had a huge impact on the Baptist ministry in Queensland in the, in the, the hundred years since. In the 20th century, there was a whole lot of migration from Asia. Uh, I know some of you guys made, made that migration to Australia during the 20th century. And, and a lot of those people brought their faith with them, brought their Christian faith with them. And there's, there's churches all over Australia that, that are, are flourishing and benefit from the presence of Asian Christians in their midst. In the 21st century, we're seeing another wave of Christian migration to Australia, particularly from Sudan, Africans coming, and also from the Myanmar, what is known as Myanmar, and Myanmar, because the different ethnic minorities there are of different traditions, and the Karen and the Chin and the Kachin have strong Baptist elements to them. And so there are a number of Baptist churches in Brisbane composed of these ethnic minorities, and they are on fire. They are flourishing and growing and witnessing and doing all the things that we, we believe churches should do. The second biggest church in Victoria now, or Baptist church, is a Karen Baptist church. And so we're seeing this again with a way that God is using migration to transform the people into which the migrants move. And I think as the writer of the book of Hebrews reflected upon the way that God was using migration, had used migration, 
and was using migration. He had this in mind when, when he said to his, his readers in, in chapter 11. So he's talking about the great heroes of faith. And he says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers. And that word translated strangers could be translated as a, as a temporary migrant, as a, as, a, as a pilgrim. Some translations have a pilgrim. As, as people who felt, who understood that they were not at home in the place they were, but were, were in transition from one place to another. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Christians are meant to have a migration mindset. We're not meant to sort of think this is where I live and this is where I will live forevermore because we are people of, we're pilgrim people. We are always on the move because this is not our home. Heaven is our home. We will only ever be temporary residents in this place. Coupled with that is that God has always used migration to either transform the people who have migrated or the places to which they have migrated. And some of you have migrated internationally. And uh, I can't imagine how hard that is. Learning new languages, learning new cultures, building new networks, getting to know people. But be encouraged that God has been involved in that from the very start. He has been transforming you and the place you have settled through your migration. Because God is always working through his moving his people around. The other end of the spectrum is that some of us are pretty comfortable where we are. We're feeling as though, yep, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'm not going to move from a house. I'm not going to move into state. Can I encourage you to just reflect upon that a little bit and challenge you to think about, is God asking me to move? Because that's what God does. God moves people. He asks people to migrate so that he can transform them and so that he can transform the place to which they go. Let's pray. Lord, there are probably more refugees in the world now than there has ever been. The, the warfare and, and poverty and injustice that has occurred around the world has meant that many, many people are on the move. And Lord, we pray that as a church, universal and as, as a local church here at Windsor Road, we will always be responding with compassion and care to, to refugees. They have a special place in your heart because you were a refugee. And so Lord, help us to, to never gloss over the, the pain and the suffering that comes from migration, particularly forced migration. But Lord, help us to also recognise that you work through migration. You've worked in it throughout the history of the world. 
And as we read your grand narrative, your, your Bible story that you've revealed to us, we see that you've used migration again and again to achieve your purposes in the lives of those who have been moved and in the places you've moved them to. And so, Lord, for the, the migrants here this morning, whether that's from interstate or from internationally, Lord, encourage them and bless them with the realisation that you have been at work through them, in them, through the migration process. And for those of us who feel pretty settled, Lord, help us to always have the mindset of Hebrews 11, that we are a pilgrim people, we are strangers in this land, we are only temporary residents, ready always to move to the next place that you would cause us to be. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.